Hello, and you're listening to Reviewing History, your comedy history podcast. I'm filmmaker and teacher Brian Rupert, joined here by... Stephen Bedagliaco. And... Anthony. Anthony Galati, Aunt G, yo. How you doing? Hi. I just got back from Disney not too long ago. Oh, yeah? Boy, are my arms tired. Did you see the mouse? I saw the mouse. I saw Mickey. Did you get sick because you saw the mouse? No. You didn't have a fever? Only in Pittsburgh did that happen. Uh, I saw the new Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster. How was that? That was a fucking cool ride. Like, <laughs> the way they do it is... You get excited about roller coasters. It's fun. It was a fun ride. But okay. <laughs> the way the ride works is your individual cart spins. So, like, if you're doing a loop, your cart will be spinning like a 360 uh, as you're doing the loop. Like the teacups. Sounds like I'm kind of sick. Yeah. A lot of people get sick on it. I got sick on it the first time. But <laughs> wait, you went on it multiple times? I went yeah, on after you got sick. I went on it five times. You're kidding. Did you get no. sick five times? What's wrong with you? Each time you go on. What are you, a fool? Why? Why do you keep going on roller coasters? On the same roller coaster over and over well, again. I was in Disney. Why wouldn't I go on? I, I get yeah, once. It was fun. Yay. And then you do it again, you get back online. <laughs> what did you wait, like eight hours to no. get on there too? No, I had like fast pass and stuff like that. Oh yeah? Yeah. What's that like? It's cool. You pay for it and you know, you get to cut the line and do things like that. What if too many people get the fast pass? Then there's another line, a new line, a faster line. Well then there's no fast pass. Right. It's Everybody a slow has pass. a fast pass. It's just a regular pass. They limit it by capacity. Oh, really? And you get like they a They run win- out of fast passes? Yeah, you get like a window to come back. Like if everybody is a VIP. Then nobody's a VIP. Then nobody's a VIP. You're right. <laughs> but every every time you're on the ride, there's a different song. And depending on what song you get, like your ride spins differently. Is this why you went on it five times? Yes. I wanted to get... All there's the songs. six songs. I wanted to get all six. I got so you four of the six. The whole thing. You, you you still have to go on it more. So you spent an yeah. entire day riding the same ride over and over again. No, I did it throughout the trip. I was in Disney ten days. Ten Holy days? Shit. Yeah. You're not like just tired of it after two? No. That's a lot. And you just keep going back to the same place. Well, there's five. Well, there's parks. five. There's four parks. But only one of them has this roller coaster Wait, that you kept parks. going on. Well, when I would go to the that park, I would go on the ride. There's five parks, isn't there? Four. There's four gates. Animal, and what it, and Animal you, Kingdom, Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Epcot. Studios, Epcot, and don't they have a water park? I don't go to the water parks. Don't count. Oh, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not I don't swimming know, in kid man. urine. Like, I don't know I've seen do. South Park, Mr. Peepee. I don't know. Some people like that. You have a kid? Do I have a child? Yeah. Only the one in my heart. Why are you going to Disney World for ten days with no kids? Because that's the only way it will ever be enjoyable. <laughs> I don't want to go once I have kids. It won't be fun anymore. She <laughs> spent two days at each park. Basically, and then like an extra two days, just yeah. doing nothing. If you're gonna tr- do, did you ride this ride by yourself? No. Did your wife ride it with you? My wife went on with me. Did my, you push kids out of the way to, to get past them? In line? Me first. I said, I gotta see Groot, <laughs> and I moved them. What were the songs you were so excited to hear? So these are the six songs. The first song that got me sick was Conga. Conga. Come on, everybody! Won't you do that Conga? Oh, yeah. That Selena. Is that uh, no, it's Gloria Estefan. Gloria Estefan. That song got me sick. There's Disco Inferno. Burn, baby, burn. Yeah. September. What? Dancing in September. 
Badia, that's actually the lyric. Uh-huh. Everybody wants to rule the world. Everybody wants to rule. Okay. And these are the two songs I didn't get that Maybe. I really wanted. What? Flock of Seagulls, I Ran. Okay. And Blondie, One Way or Another. I'm going to find you. Yeah. Do you think that they purposely didn't play those songs so they keep you coming back? Wait, that's why did you want those specifically? Well, every time the ride feels different depending on what song you get. Did you have any doubles? So I the first four times I got a different song. And I was like, once I get a double, I'll stop going. So then the fifth time I got a double, and that was when I stopped. Which one did you get twice? September, Mm -hmm. which was the best song in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, that's probably the best song out of that group. Uh, the Duran Duran ones, all right. The Flock of Seagulls. No, everybody wants to rule the world. Dude, right? That's Air Supply. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Really? Yeah. Everybody wants Nope, to... we're both wrong. It's Tears for Fears. Tears for Fears, I knew it. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. There was a gay version. A gay version? Tears for Queers. <laughs> I'm cutting that, but I had to say that for you. <laughs> So, uh, speaking of amusement parks, things of amazement and wonder, let's talk about dead bodies in the water. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, We are finally breaking the World War II seal. We've tried to avoid it. Yes. And I think it's a testament to our willpower that we made it almost 14 episodes. I think. Or more. Every single one of us, as far as historical knowledge goes, World War II is probably our strongest suit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's the thing we're most interested in. It's the biggest it's, battle. It's just, it's such a looming thing. You know, it's kind of like the modern foundational myth of modern society. And I was thinking about this mm. as I was watching this movie as to why World War II is so, so popular. Well, it's recent. Well, it's, it's the biggest thing. It's, it's the biggest event that's ever happened in human history. But even in movies, I think a big part of it is that there's such a clear line of of good and good bad. guys and bad guys. Yeah, sure. And I think that helps why movies are drawn to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an endless array of World War II movies we could be watching. Absolutely. We just we have to do the to whole pick. show just on World War II movies and yeah. like never run out of stuff. Definitely. You're right. From all different countries. It also has lasting effects. I mean, the effects are still still being felt today. So, it's like like you said, it's one of the more major things to ever happen in probably human history. Yeah. So, <laughs> certainly the biggest event of the last hundred years. You know, no doubt about that. So, you don't think the Mets winning the World Series? Uh, that was big. <laughs> it really had lasting impacts. They still talk about it in Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> New York Mets number one. <laughs> Um, and then they listen to Turbo Folk. Yeah. I love Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> so, Mincemeat. This movie I did not know existed until you told me about it. Okay. Yep. Where where did you hear about this? So, the way I heard about it... Is it Operation Mincemeat or just Mincemeat? It's Operation Mincemeat. Operation Mincemeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys know about Operation Mincemeat prior to this I movie? knew about it, yeah. No, I thought we were watching a cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this this sounds like this is going to be right up my alley. I like cooking. It's going to be about some chef. <laughs> Boy, what, was I wrong. <laughs> what is mincemeat? It's a British like uh, dish. Yeah. yeah. Is it like it's like it's chopped, chopped up, up yeah, meat? It's yeah, just, yeah, it's chopped up meat. Okay. 
It's minced. It's more horrible, where the British food, more horrible British food that nobody likes. You yes. can see where the confusion comes from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I yeah. interrupted you. So I heard about this movie because um, I was listening to the podcast Tell Him Steve Dave. And Q, I'm not familiar with them. No, you never heard of them? No. It's a really good podcast. Recommend checking it out. Mm. So Q on that show <laughs> was talking about that he did that he read a book about Operation Mincemeat, which is the book this movie was based on. Mm-hmm. So I heard about the book and I saw they were making the movie. And then I saw it drop to Netflix and I kept it in my back pocket and I was like, oh, let's do this on the show at some point. And And here we are. And here we yes. are. Um, what were your first impressions of the movie? I thought the movie was excellent. Really well done. Yeah. It's it's very good. It's a, it's a you know, it's not like an epic or anything. It's a man on a mission movie. Yeah. You know? It's a, it's, I mean, obviously it's a very... I don't, know, I don't know if you'd call it obscure part, because people know this story. So I actually um, got something wrong in it. I thought mincemeat led to D-Day. I thought they oh did, no! I thought they did this to set up the Normandy invasion. No, that's more um, the the subterfuge and, and spycraft stuff around that has a lot to do with the the phony army. At the they they faked a uh, invasion of the Pont de Calais rather than Normandy. Okay. Which was like those inflatable. You've seen the footage with the inflatable tanks. Yeah. And they actually put Pat in there, who was grounded during the D-Day invasion. And they he had, slapped the guy in Italy. They had the wacky inflatable tube man, and the Germans were like, "Look at the Americans! Their arms are all crazy. Right. They keep waving. <laughs> There's going to be a sale at Mazda. Smokers, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> we must slash the BMW prices now. <laughs> Nine ninety. <laughs> um, but yeah, minced meat obviously is the associated with the invasion of Sicily. What did you think of the movie, Beaver? Great, I loved this. You loved it. I thought I, I can't say a single bad thing about it. I thought honestly. the um, I don't know if you've seen any photographs of the real people involved. Yeah, the casting's fantastic. They it's look pretty good. They look perfect. Yeah. Even down to uh, Margaret from Boardwalk Empire. Dude, identical. Yeah. You know who was great, though? The communist brother, Ivor. Mm-hmm. The, it, I, it, I didn't see him. I oh, didn't see the real guy. The, the other guy's a little heavier, but the glasses are, like, the yeah. same. And, like, yeah, they really look alike. Yeah, this, this was excellent. Awesome. Um, this was a really good classic-style movie you don't see a lot anymore. Yeah. Yes, this kind of pacing doesn't go well with uh, modern audience. This could only so be on. Great. This could only be on streaming. You don't think it's a big screen worthy movie? I think it should be, but I feel like if this came out, nobody would go to see it except like me and you. We're like, dude, there's a mincemeat movie. Yeah, you're right. I saw. It. I think people did. People go see that Darkest Hour movie from a few years ago because I saw it. I thought it was great. That, yeah, that was pre-pandemic. People still like kind of went to movies mm-hmm. somewhat then. Did you see that? I loved that movie. You did. Oh, yeah. I, I've said this before. I want somebody, whether it's me or a, a professional, to take The Darkest Hour and then take Dunkirk and Put them splice together. it together. And just make one, one make giant. One giant epic because they're shot very similar. That's interesting because the Dun- be Dunkirk uh, is almost documentary-like in that yes. there's very few characters. Exactly. There's not a lot of dialogue. That's why I don't like it too much. But That's if you splice... This is a great idea. Yes. If yeah. you spliced it with Darkest Hour, it's it's a, yep. it's, it would be a brilliant Fantastic. epic movie. Because yeah. you see the the actions of Churchill and everyone else, what they're doing at home, uh-huh. 
you see the direct effects. At I love this idea. I, I agree. Yeah, me and Steve have <laughs> talked about this Spoke since they came it, yeah. out that this needs to and happen. They both kind of, did they it's come out the same time? They came out the same year. Wow. Yeah. I wonder and, why. And there's it was cultural happened. consciousness yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. you know? There's a scene in The Darkest Hour where you see the ships going to Dunkirk. Yeah. And it's like, you split it right there. You're like, there it is. It's, everything yeah. works. <laughs> make one four-hour fucking monster. It'd be so good. Yeah, it would be so, so good. And then you could make Dunkirk sequential, and it doesn't have to be random like junk. You didn't like Dunkirk. Right. I it's nonlinear. I so. liked it, but like I respected like the visuals of it, mm-hmm. but like there's no coherent narrative or characters you care about. It's legit. There's a kid on the boat. Yeah, yeah, it's legit. And though. Tom Hardy. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just like random battle footage kind of put together. Yeah, and I, that's almost what I liked about it's, it. It's it's very much cold in watching a documentary, and it's not what I look for in a movie. Right, where like usually like in a you war- like a character driven story. I want mm-hmm. I want a character at least one guy that I know his backstory and I'm rooting for him. Sure, you know, which is why I think if you intercut it with the darkest hours, so it would be cool. a fucking be so cool. <laughs> I'd be like, you make it sequential and you tie it in with that. I'd be like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that as a uh, life goal. <laughs> when I'm, when Steve I have some finishes time. editing it. The render is done. My work here is done. Just blows his head off. <laughs> With the amount of work that might take, I, I might do that, yeah. Gary Oldman's Churchill was better than this Churchill. In this music. Churchill is no Oldman. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even kind of look like him. No, he doesn't. You know, who, you know who's played a good Churchill before? Um, Monk from Gangs of New York. I thought it was him in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. That's immediately who I thought of. It's not him, though. When was he? I forget what I've seen him in, but he's definitely played Churchill. I probably saw it. If you're an overweight British man, they just make you play (laughs) Churchill at some point. You get, like, conscripted. (laughs) So let's set this up. The year is 1943. Yep. Stalingrad has happened. Yeah. Now, some people would say the war is already over at now, that point. Now, that was what I wanted to ask you guys. Which I fucking hate. Because me and you kind of had a little brief conversation about something involving this the other day. You hate that I was going to ask you this? No, that no. You hate that some people think the war was over at this point. Like, so Roger Waters the other day basically oh. was like, Americans did nothing in World War II. Oh, oh. They were basically useless. The war was over after Stalingrad. Yeah. Mm, I don't agree with that That's assessment. Not a good, but. Yeah. That was not going to be my question because I the war is definitely not over. No. But here's my question. Yeah. Is the war, by this point, Africa has fallen. Stalingrad has happened. The Battle of Kursk is about to happen and it hasn't happened yet. Is the war unwinnable for the Axis powers at this point? I don't believe so. I think they could still win. I am going to take the opposite opinion on that. So you think the war is over then? No, the war is not over because the the they can... So you think it's a matter of just bleeding at that point? The, uh, in my opinion, the Germans can make a peace. Now, the Allied powers have agreed no uncon- to unconditional surrender, but if the Germans buckle down and make it as painful as possible, I think it is possible to bleed the Allies white and force them to the negotiating table. I th- you are not going to win the empire, the thousand-year Reich that you know they wanted. But you could have some sort of peace, I think, if it's if it hurts enough. I think, and I the, think that's the only way forward for the Axis powers. I think the play for them yeah. to actually win would be to try to come to some sort of deal with Stalin. They need to they need to like make reparations to Stalin, give him like Poland and shit, 
and then they would be able to continue westward. And I think it would have been winnable. I think you had no chance of winning at this point. I think the math beats them. Not even just the, the production math, levels are just off the charts. Look at the weaponry now. Right. America's like, we got nukes. So many Germans we have got, died. Excuse me. We have atom bombs. Not yet. No. But like that movie's coming out soon. I can't fucking wait excited, for it. What yeah. movie? Oppenheimer. Oh, by, yeah. Made by Christopher Nolan. Like a biopic? Yeah, about like him making the bomb. It's like black and white. I saw a tra- Oh, that'll be awesome. I saw a trailer for it the other day in theaters and I didn't know it was so coming mm-hmm. and the trailer is just a giant explosion and like awesome. quotes of Oppenheimer and then like pictures of him and I was like this is fucking that, awesome that, oh yeah we gotta watch that, that thing where he's quoting the epic of Gilgamesh I have become like, took his yeah I become death the destroyer yeah. of world yeah. <laughs> but anyway back to that's what I was saying I wasn't saying that the, the nuclear bomb was a deterrent at that point mm-hmm. but w- like eventually we get atom bombs before anyone else sure we use them before anyone else yes we will threaten Germany before anyone else if it comes down If it comes to, to it. that, but so obviously history realistically, tells us that it doesn't. It doesn't, but if um, let's assume that like you're saying like you got you got to let them bleed out, the war's not over. No, that war was going to end. Like, point, that war was going to end. My point year. bringing Guys, that up. Hold on, yeah. wait, can I say one thing? I have to no matter what, no matter what numbers or anything, I have to say that America is basically super responsible for victory. <laughs> and that I don't care about Stalingrad or anything. The war was unwinnable <laughs> until we are just whooping ass fully. But that wasn't the question. <laughs> wasn't the question. The stupid take. Yeah, that, that. <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> Fucking, I'm pro-America always. But the the my point in bringing all this up was, yeah. I think the fact that, I, that what I said was the only way forward for the Axis would be to make it hurt as much as possible is why this mincemeat operation is so important. Because in saving so many lives, they've doomed the Nazis to defeat at this point. Well, they're in Europe, they've right? They've punctured the soft underbelly, what, Ch- what Churchill called soft underbelly, which was, of course, Italy and Mussolini and all that. So once the Italians are out, which happens immediately after the fall of Sicily, the Germans now are way too overextended to even defend themselves, and which makes Overlord possible and the end game of... 1945. So, that being said, I think we need. I think we can start the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we get some opening narration, and we see just random shots of like the ocean and like a war room, people smoking cigarettes, a typewriter. Colonel Taffington. Yeah. He's returned. He's back. <laughs> Second appearance. <laughs> we need like a counter for guys who have been in like the most movies on this. Jason Isaacs, number yeah. two. Is he the first guy to, to double dip for us? For us? So far? He might be. I think he is. That's surprising. Because we've done a bunch of movies at this There's point. There's probably some random British guy who's in like eight movies yeah. we've done and we don't even remember him. <laughs> <laughs> so then it flashes back to six, six months earlier. Colin Firth is reading a bedtime story to his, his child, and it is The 39 Steps. Do you know what that is? No. It is 39 Steps is a like. I'm pretty sure it's like a spy style story. Alfred Hitchcock has adapted it twice. He made it. A uh, silent film, and then he made a co- a talkie version as well, I believe. Talkie. Yeah. <laughs> the talkies. Colin Firth compliments his wife, mm-hmm. talking about you know how great she is and mm-hmm. all this, how much he loves her. Right. 
she doesn't like him. No. We don't know why. Maybe he just didn't like her minced meat. He plays around and stuff. Does he? You and Montague, you know, he's a bit of a player, and he was always out working a lot and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So he had problems with his wife at this time, too. Uh Aha. Yeah. Uh, The other guy, his name, mustache guy, do you remember his name? His name is Charles Chomody. Comedy. He likes to spell out his last name. Yeah, it's a mouthful. He did it in the movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I can't pronounce Calmedy. it. Calmedy. <laughs> so he goes to watch a movie, Confessions of a Nazi Spy, and he meets Margaret Schroeder from, from Boardwalk Empire. Empire. <laughs> she has escaped Nucky. <laughs> and she She's is- not slowing the show down anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you a- love Boardwalk, right? I love Boardwalk Empire. I, I think I like it better than Sopranos. Oh, that's, that's a, hot a hot take. take. That I is. I never watched The Sopranos, so I would have to say I like Boardwalk more. That is tough. It's one of the few shows I watched every episode for. You've watched Boardwalk, right, Steve? I've watched Boardwalk. I like Boardwalk a lot, but to say it's better than The Sopranos Boardwalk is, is ballsier. Is really? It, is it, though? Because think Here's about the time period. Yeah, think about when Sopranos mm-hmm. came out. Here's why. Be- well, I'm talking from a storytelling perspective. Because they killed off the most popular character in the second season. Jimmy Darmody. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, that's true. They did do that. And they, like Sopranos killed off. Sopranos killed off some like, plenty of characters. But did they kill off like like yes, uh main characters? Who's the most popular character? Adriana. Other than Adriana Laserva, when she got killed, it was that's shocking brutal. to the world. Yes. What season was that? Towards the end. It's oh, like five. Show's ending. This is the second season of the show. Yeah. Of Boardwalk. You but know, it's still very also, new. Shows also at the time that Boardwalk came out were being yeah, I mean, produced nonstop, like season or two. And I think they canceled. called out the golden age of television, right? Yes, the new golden mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. But Kelly McDonald is there. She's gr- a great actress. You love anytime she pops up oh, in yeah. something. She's good. She's very good. Beautiful lady. So we find out that Ewan Montague, is that the last name? Yes. Mm-hmm. He is Jewish. And his wife is Jewish, and they are fleeing the area in case the I think Germans just his wife get in. Is. I don't know if he is. Uh, I looked it up. Kids. He is Jewish. He is? He, no, but just his wife and kids are fleeing. They're yeah. fleeing. He's staying behind. He's, staying. He's going to serve. They're going to America. You and Montague is Jewish, and like after the war, he ran like a bunch of like synagogues and things like that in England. Now, I don't, I'm just speculating here, but the fact that she's leaving now. Seems like it's more related to that she doesn't like her husband than they're fleeing the Germans because by this point in the war, invasion of Britain is off the table. It's not happening. So Sea Lion has failed. It has failed. The Battle of Britain put it put the kibosh on that, and that was two years before this, three years before this. So it's like, it's an excuse. what are you running from? It's an excuse. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which comes into play later. They explain it in detail later. Right. That there are marital problems. Yeah, and it makes more sense. Wouldn't you agree with that assessment? I think it's. I think it's both. You know, especially in the movie mm-hmm. where they want to paint it like like you guys are saying that the war is basically unwinnable now. So the Brits basically won. It. The Brits didn't win. You're, say, just, you're saying I'm not saying the the, uh, the war is not uh, like I said. There are ways to win the war, but it is going to be bloody and it's going to be horrific. They can't, they're not going to win by some great offensive tactical action, which is what they want. You know, yeah. it, it's not 1942 anymore. It's 1943. Well, I'm talking more about the, um, the Germans, right? You're saying That's the what Ger- I'm talking about. Us. The British 
you know, obviously the, the British are, they're nothing without the Americans by this point. The Americans are taking over more and more of the operations. Yeah. The, the, the heavy lifting, so to speak. The front runners. By the way, how lucky are the Germans that we're still dealing in the Pacific? Imagine if, like, we just threw our full force into friggin' Europe and we didn't have to worry about the mm. Japanese. Uh, it, it'd be a very <laughs> different war. Yeah. And that, that goes to, you know, the Ger- the Europe was getting way more attention than the Pacific was. Uh, I think that the numbers are like one third of the American military force was in the Pacific and two thirds were in Europe. Something like that. Where would you rather have been? <laughs> what, if I'm fighting? Yeah. Europe, 100%. Europe. Oh, I, yeah. I, you don't want to be in the jungle. That's hell on earth. Yeah. <laughs> Africa's fallen by this point, too. I don't know if we said it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. It's just like, like they, they expressly say it in the movie. Like, anybody looking at a map can see the next step is Sicily. Oh, yeah. They're you like, know? we got to go to Sicily. It's clear. Right. They're like, we must divert the Nazis. Right. The whole point of this, if, if anybody doesn't know, is to try and get the Germans to believe, by hook or by crook, <laughs> that... Invasion is happening in Greece and Sardinia and not on Sicily. So yeah. they're doing everything in their power to do that. And all kinds of fake radio traffic is being put out there and weird movements to try and convince the Germans that what's happening isn't happening. And, you know, they're like, look, we're going to go for Greece. Olivia Newton-John is there. Right. John Travolta. She's mm-hmm. dead. They're singing songs. She just died. She yeah. just died yesterday. R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John. Well, Yesterday for us. Several weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all about going to Greece, you know. They're going to sing songs, Grease Lightning. Grease Lightning! I've never seen that movie. Really? You don't Not have once. to. It's garbage, right? It's garbage. It's, garbage. it's a musical, you know, it is what it is. Do you like musicals? No, I'm not gay. Do you like La La Land? <laughs> that movie's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Newton-John at the end, though, smoking the cigarette is so hot. Is she? She's gorgeous. Never you never seen it? seen it? I've never seen it. You don't think she's good looking at the end smoking a cigarette? You're out of your she's fucking very skinny. mind. Uh, very skinny she's like, she goes from like goody two-shoes to... I think she was better with the goody two-shoes look than the badass curly hair look. She looks like... I always like goody two-shoes yeah, over that better. shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, she's just in this tight outfit. Mm. Oof, it's good. <laughs> I like singing in the rain. Does that make me gay? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I need a verdict. I mean, uh, you both, I, you well, I got to defer here. to uh, it's fifty fifty yes. here. So yeah, you should defer to that. I like the Book of Mormon play. It's a musical. That's gay. It's fantastic and funny. That's good because it's the South Park guys. It's it's satire though. It's not a movie. It's not it's a literal Broadway. It's a musical. It's a literal Broadway. You're gay. They sing. We're all gonna go see the uh, Back to the Future play together, right? So if so he. Said, like, yeah, I'm not gay. I don't like musicals, but he likes a musical. He likes La La Land. <laughs> he was kidding. You're gay. I'm not kidding. I like Singing in the you Rain. You like Singing in the great. Rain, so you're gay. Yeah. And I like a Broadway musical, so I'm gay. Yes. So we're all three of us are gay. That's the Chicago way. That's the- <laughs> <laughs> call call back. back. Call back. <laughs> call back. <laughs> That's the callback uh, noise. So uh, we see Jason Isaacs there. Yes. Who he- now you're rooting for. Yeah, Still good- an asshole. He's a good guy now. But he's still an asshole. <laughs> and Ian Fleming is there. and He plays John Godfrey, who is the man responsible for something called the Trout Memo, which yes. was written in 1939. But Gilbert Godfrey's brother. Written, 
it's, it's basically confirmed that Ian Fleming wrote it. Right. Historians have read the document, compared it to Fleming's writings. It's confirmed, basically, that Ian Fleming wrote and the And John Godfrey menu. took the credit And for Godfrey it. took the credit because he was his superior. Right. And Ian, what is the Trout Memo? The Trout Memo is a memo with a bunch of different tactics and ways that the British can uh, do use subterfuge, subterfuge right. to divert the Germans' attention away from Sicily, whatever, from anything. Yeah. And option twenty-eight, Ian Fleming borrowed from a book called The Milliner's Hat. Yes. And it is. Uh, Operation Mincemeat. They want to the original plan, which is which Trojan gets horse. altered. It's called Operation Trojan Horse. Is to, very subtle name. They'll never figure. They it have out. the worst code names. <laughs> <laughs> so the original plan is to get an airman and drop him out of a plane right. into the ocean. Uh, a dead guy. A dead a corpse. guy. A corpse. And use the airman and the parachute to get caught and do the plan. And have fake documents planted on. Exactly. Now, obviously, this gets tweaked as we see in the movie. Because there's so many things that can go wrong with that. There's a lot. Uh, plus, it doesn't make sense that a paratrooper would have high-level documents of that kind on him. So it, it's completely unbelievable, you know? So what they eventually end up doing, what they discuss and decide this is the plan, is they're going to plant a dead body by submarine. He will be a royal marine. Because the Royal, Mar they don't want like a high level Navy guy because then you need like custom tailored uniforms and things like that. A Royal Marine can have the normal battle dress. So it's just, you know, standard yeah. uniform. And would be having, could be having uh, some level of high end letters and documentation on them that they'd be transporting. That's one thing I wanted to say about this. Can't remember. Don't worry about it. Move on. Okay. Oh, the guy, the, um, the character they eventually come up with is a man named William Martin, who does yeah. not exist. Benjamin and he Martin. is a master of amphibious warfare, at least the character. <laughs> when they, they when they wanted to name him Martin, uh, Jason Isaacs was actually terrified. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming for me. <laughs> Mel. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting his revenge again. <laughs> In a past life, I killed his sons. <laughs> his sons were better but, men. So one thing with Ian Fleming, a couple of things about his wartime record. Obviously, the Trout Memo. He also did Operation Goldeneye, which was a plan that— This is real? This is real. It was a plan that the British would have a giant laser no. <laughs> come down and shoot Siberian, anywhere in the world. Siberian bases. Yeah. No, uh, there was an Operation Goldeneye, though. That's no joke. Mm -hmm. That was the name of the intelligence framework in Spain. That Fleming oversaw. Oh, really? And that was the uh, network, Goldeneye. Is Goldeneye the movie? Is that something he wrote? He didn't write Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Because that's too late, right? That's the 90s. Yeah, Goldeneye was the name of his estate in Jamaica. Like his home in Jamaica was mm -hmm. called Goldeneye. Ian Fleming wrote James Bond. He wrote the James Bond novels, which is obviously he's someone that I love. Right. Because <laughs> he created something that I consume all the time. Uh, but he did Operation Goldeneye, which was the Spain network, and they wanted to use Gibraltar to launch sabotage operations against the Nazis. He also formed uh, the 30 Assault Unit, known as the 30 Commando Unit, which was specialist intelligence troops that he uh, was in charge of and would deploy and go in the field, and they would, like— Recon stuff? They would like do com uh, combat, safe cracking, lock picking. They were like a spy commando unit. That's awesome. Now, yeah. 
there's a great, great miniseries that BBC made years ago called um, The Man Who Would Be Bond. And it follows Fleming's life, and they touch on his war service, and they talk about Operation Mincemeat a little, and how he came up with a bunch of plans that were used and he really didn't get credit for Mm -hmm. because, you know, he's a nobody. He's serving under someone. But supposedly he was going to be a commando unit and they wanted him to kill someone in cold blood and he was unable to, which is why when he writes Bond, who is a f- idealized version of himself, Bond is capable of killing in cold blood and uh-huh. it doesn't bother him. So Fleming had the 30 assault unit, which you know did a whole bunch of stuff. and then That's la- later. Later on, yeah. And then he also had another uh, unit after the success of the 30 assault unit called T-Force. And it was tea time, and they did a whole bunch of like epic shit too. T forces in like T E A, T or just the letter T dash force. T dash force. Yeah. Okay. And they did they did a whole bunch of shit like securing documents, you know, combat, and he operated these three big things. This is his main contribution. The movie makes a a big to do about the two different wars happening and they mean he and by that they mean the uh you know the war of bullets and artillery and bombs and the war of cloak and dagger right and uh, which i guess is any war right you have spy shit going on since the beginning of time in this particular conflict it really reaches a level that i don't think has been seen before or since well maybe since definitely uh, since you know the yep. cold. The cold war is a war of spies, yeah. right? Yeah. I think it's there's just enough technology to make spying efficient, mm-hmm. and there's not enough to counter it yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like right now, if like you're a spy, like you're being tracked on satellite <laughs> yeah. constantly. Most there's things, cameras most everywhere. Most things are done on online. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. like it's we much harder now. <laughs> yeah, drones to, exist. Like, to sneak around. Right, but I, I think Churchill in this movie had a great line about the spy corkscrew. They have so many spies, and you keep turning that corkscrew that eventually you hit your own ass when you're running. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a great, that was, that great was a little cool addition. Scene. So, anyway, back to the movie. Chomley. They uh, get their mission. Uh, Montague and Chomley, and they're, yep. they're going to put this whole thing together. And Fleming is supporting them, and he's like, I want you he's guys... He's in the background. He really doesn't have well, anything to do the, with this movie. In the initial <laughs> conversation with them, right. he's like, I want you guys to do this, basically because yeah. it was my idea. Right. And M, your first Bond reference, uh-huh. he calls Godfrey M. Yes. And they're like, is that true? It must be. I guess. I mean, he calls him M in the book, and mm-hmm. M is based on him, yeah, so right. I'm sure it's true. And he's like... M, you know, is like a pain in the ass. I want you to do this mm-hmm. and get this done so I get credit. And right. that's your first Bond reference. Don't worry, there's more coming. Yes. <laughs> so now they got to look for the right corpse. And uh, I just want to point out, they keep mentioning Bletchley Park, and every time they do that, what that is is they're uh, talking about the Enigma Code Breakers. Yes. Who have, they've cracked the German Enigma Code, which is all their military code, so they're listening to everything the Germans say to each other over the radio and reading all their messages. So every time they uh, they talk about, you know, getting information from Blushy Park, that's what they're talking about. So since you brought up the Enigma Codes, I'll bring up a failed Ian Fleming plan that he had Ooh. called Operation Ruthless. What is that? So it, they wanted, this was the plan they had to possibly get, I guess, a German code machine that they would use. Mm-hmm. The original plan was to obtain a Nazi bomber 
man it with a German-speaking crew in Luftwaffe uniforms, crash it into the English Channel. The crew would then attack their German rescuers and bring their boat and Enigma machine back to England. Alan Turing was very annoyed that they did not do this. Who's Alan Turing? He's the one who actually cracked the Enigma code. He, oh. he came up with the Enigma. Like they didn't the, do this? The man who basically invented modern computing. They did not do this because basically they were like, it's not going to work. Because any German plane would be known to the Germans. Not only that, but they're like, if we crash a bomber into the English Channel, it's going to sink too rapidly for anyone to, for anyone to be saved. Yeah. So they didn't do this. Especially a German crew. Yeah, but Alan Turing really wanted them to do it because mm. I guess he's like, just fucking try and get yeah. us an enigma. Alan machine. was also a crazy person. Like, he was a kind of a lunatic. He's an eccentric dude. He was gay, right? Yeah, yes. he was gay. Yeah. You can't be like that smart, I think, without having something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mean right. gay? No, no, not gay. <laughs> just like, like, On like, a like a weird eccentric guy. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's like a line you cross with intelligence, and then you just become too fucking weird. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. we're all idiots at this table, so <laughs> so we haven't crossed the line. So they go on the corpse hunt. Yeah, this was cool. They're just looking at dead bodies. Yeah, and they Darby Case, I guess, is the physician that they're talking to. Oh, is that the guy in the morgue? I think that's his name. They convince this guy in the morgue to hold on to this body for them of a guy named... Uh, Glendor Michael. Glendor Glind- Michael, Glind- who's a Welsh, you know, vagrant who... Uh, people don't know if he was starving to death, so he ate some bread, or if it was an attempted suicide. Well, they... They do a Successful not. attempted yeah, suicide. He ate bread laced with rat poison. And I guess... When you eat rat poison, it fills your lungs with fluid because this guy needs to be able to pass as a drowning victim. I think Mm -hmm. it's they're counting on him being waterlogged. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they were counting on him being waterlogged, and they were also counting on On a shitty shitty coroner coroner is going to be in this small town in Spain, which later on, that ain't the case. (laughs) If you were going to die and your corpse was going to be like puppeted around by your like government to win some n- Nazi like style invasion thing, like it's like a World War Three, all hell is bro- broken loose thing. Would you want them to use your corpse if it could save like tens of thousands of lives? Would you want them or would you be okay? I mean, I'd, I'd prefer they didn't. But... Yeah, like, what... oh, really? Yeah, it would bother you. <laughs> You're dead. What do you care? I'm, I'm, no, I'm asking you. Why would you care? I mean, I'd prefer my remains to, you know, like be, uh, you know, Can't go safe. My loved ones could have a place, you know, maybe go visit me. I don't know. You wouldn't rather save the lives of. I mean, if it happens, it happens. I mean, what am I going to do? Use somebody else. Use it's got to be you. Use Brian. It's got to be. It- <laughs> it's got to be you. You're the guy. Right, well, what do you want me to say? All right, fine. Do it. <laughs> That's, it's so noble. He barely had to be coaxed. Unfortunately, <laughs> so it was a Bernie, a weekend at Bernie-like scenario, <laughs> and now they are parading your body around a beach town, right, <laughs> to distract <laughs> the Germans with hilarity, yeah. <laughs> with just hijinks. <laughs> and there's gonna be voodoo men who make your corpse dance to music, mm-hmm. like Mexican sugar dancing. Yes, <laughs> uh, well that makes sense. Sure. I wear sunglasses. How similar do you think this movie is to Weekend at Bernie's? You have two men trying to parade around a corpse for mm-hmm. their own gain. True. 
But this is trying, basically a weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's too. Three, three. three. Yeah. They're not trying to convince anyone that he's alive. It's well, a gene, it's yeah, a gene pick. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gene. <laughs> Did I tell you I met Donna Chang from Seinfeld? You didn't tell me. I saw it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? It was fine. It was really like, what do you? Used say? to be Changstein. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say to Donna Chang? Like, you're uh, not Chinese. That's how could you say anything else? Yeah. <laughs> but as I'm waiting online, everybody is saying it to uh-huh. her, and I thought about saying and it. And she saying, probably hears that every single day. No, because she doesn't look like herself. You don't mm. know. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. she doesn't look like she did 30 years ago on a <laughs> random Seinfeld episode. <laughs> but. It was, it was cool meeting her, you know, got my picture with her. Sure. Uh, so they, you know. They find the body. They find the body. They say they have to keep him in an uh, the coldest icebox for three months. After the three-month time period's up, you can't use the body anymore. So it's not like they're going to bomb him. So there's a ticking clock. It's a ticking clock. Right. You know, you need that for your plot Which sometimes. three months seems things. like a long time to hold on to a decomposing body. Yeah. Like, successfully. I'm surprised at how long it kept. Yeah. So then they go to the Gargoyle Club, which is actually what I call this room when the three of us are in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like fucking Hunchback and Notre Dame. In it's here. All, there's just three awful people. Yeah. <laughs> Made of stone. They drink martinis. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, that's that's another Bond reference. Yeah, yeah, Gotta yeah. have some martinis. Is this before or after they recruit the girl? They're about to. Now... In my research, I saw no indication that she was as big a part of this as they make her out to be in the movie. She was what not. What do you think? They play that up. Right. Because they the whole love story, love triangle it's all thing, yeah. that's like all bullshit. Yeah. It was like, they, they were like, it was the two guys like, I think she's hot. Mm-hmm. I think she's hot. Was she Pam? Was it her photo? It, I don't think it, so. It was her photo. It was? Yeah. And she was- um, I saw the real photo. It's, a, it's yeah. exact. She was the one in the movie. She was 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. She was not, you know, like a forty-year-old divorcee. Right. right. She was a widower. young widower. She was a young Widow. young woman. Not widower. Widower is a man, right? Yeah, widower is a man. <laughs> it's a man, baby. <laughs> Austin, that's my mother. <laughs> Basil. Even though that love story is fake, it's a good touch to the movie. It actually keeps people a little, yeah, a little yeah, more interested. It, I have no problem with it. It's just it's fiction. Thing. Yeah. It's just fiction. Yeah. So um, they go to but her. How much do we really know if it's fiction or not? How much can we really say about that? It's an invented story. Right? Yeah. It's well, I thought <laughs> this was based on a book, which was based on a true story. So well, they embellish that for the movie. You yeah. know, I'm sure the book is quite dry. Yes. Oh. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of facts and what figures. If, what if, and, I don't know. People yeah. in the same room together. You never know. Look at us. <laughs> well, I mean, we're the Gargoyle Club. So the next hour of the movie is really just them coming up with the backstory of this character. Not only that, but they get problems that they solve along the way. Yeah. So, like, Kelly McDonald gives them the photograph. They try to take photos of the corpse. They need a up. double. Yeah, right. And the handsome American comes in. He wasn't American in real life. It was a British guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And here's they say marrying an American is fashionable now. Yeah, it made me think of my own uh, family. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, there were, there's a scene where uh, they're walking by like a dance club, and uh, they go in and they they're dancing and stuff. And like American flags around. Yeah, right? well, the yeah. Americans are in town, yeah. 
and like all the all the American soldiers are dancing with British girls, and that is essentially what happened in my family history. So yeah, girl walks in, guy just grabs you and starts. So you think your grandmother was just hopping on a trend? I mean, that's what happened. There were tons of war brides, you know, and all over the country. <laughs> England was depopulated of its women. <laughs> <laughs> the Yanks just came and were yeah. like, I'm taking this one to Texas. This actually uh, caused riots in Australia. Do you know that? Wait, they were mad Americans were taking British women? In, no, no, no. They <laughs> were taking Australian women in Australia. Oh, I want to hear about this. I didn't hear Oh, that. yeah. This was a, a major, major thing. Like, Crikey! It's taking my mic! <laughs> in, like, the weeks after uh, Guadalcanal, uh, a lot of the Americans were sent to Australia on relief and, like, for resupply and retraining and everything. And while they were there, they had more money than all the Australians and were just getting in, like... They were banging all the girls and getting in fights with the locals. <laughs> and it caused, like, a racial incident. Like an American? Americans versus Australians. Okay. Not racial is probably well, the wrong thing national, to say. Na- national. Yeah. National. Yeah. Incident. Like, they had a, a... Men died. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Not many, but a but Like, a there was actual, like, gunfire and fighting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I never heard that. So the Americans are just trying to bang everything, everything they can, everywhere they go. If we liberate you, we're fucking your women. <laughs> not, even not even liberating. Not even liberating. We're hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the American way. <laughs> the Chicago way is the gay way. The American way. Everything is goes. just everything. <laughs> so is that how your fit your mother met your my gr- my grandmother met uh, not my grandfather but his brother. I have a weird family history. There's no incest, I promise. But sure, <laughs> there's one thing That's I learned why on this has show. Three arms. My gra- Wait, my, you're English, right? It partially. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> my grand, my grandmother met her first husband, who is my grandfather's brother, because he was stationed in Britain during the war, and they had this kind of whirlwind romance as, she a, as young she, people were about to die. Is she of die. Italian descent, or she's no. just like an Anglo wasp? She's British. Okay. Was British. Well, yeah. I've, as a kid, I heard tons of stories about the war and, like, the Blitz. And mm-hmm. She wasn't from London. She was from the Midlands outside in a town outside Birmingham. Do you know the name? Warsaw. It's actually the same town that Ozzy Osbourne and uh, uh, Rob Halford are from. And you told wow. me once she was their original drummer. Yes, she was <laughs> <grandma>. Judas Priest <laughs> drummer in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she was hell-bent for leather. <laughs> she actually told me an interesting story once about this sort of thing. They would hold these dances in, mm-hmm. like, the town. And they were into because it was the British. They don't know any better as far as, like, American cultural problems. Uh-huh. So they would have these integrated dances where blacks and whites would be together. And a lot of the southern American soldiers would have a problem. There were fights uh-huh. and stuff. So the, uh, the British girls, they didn't want to see them dance with black guys. So they had, like... A fight. The American soldiers would fight. Would fight each other. Yeah. The blacks and the whites. And um, they had to split them up. The British town had to like be like, what the fuck is happening? You guys are on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> and they they eventually had to make separate dances for them. Some wow. American soldier. Yeah. The only thing I hate more than a Nazi is yeah. a black guy. Yeah. And he just has to the black guy sitting right next it's to him. Like, why very, you say It's that? very <laughs> unfortunate, you know, certain aspects of our past. <laughs> <laughs> but... But yeah, there's she. She used to have tons of stories about like bombs uh, being dropped on the city. She, she, um, her and her sisters had to go around, like when the Germans would drop fire bombs. Mm-hmm. So after 
after the raid, they'd have to go out and inspect the town to make sure nothing was on fire. And if it was, put it out. Yeah. Wow. Sound the alarms, things That's like crazy. that. I thought one of the one of the cooler stories was she said on Christmas it was probably it must have been like nineteen forty or forty one. There was a raid. They were on they were on uh, watch. Her and her sister, and they it was Christmas Day, and they, they broke shot down a man they in broke a into the school. <laughs> the two girls, okay, because it was the one place in town that had a record player, and they were just listening to records all night instead <laughs> of doing their job. Oh, yeah. that's good. <laughs> it's a good thing that they weren't bombed on Christmas. No, they were. That's the funny story. About Everybody died but them. <laughs> they were the only survivors. Yeah. She uh, she hit me once because I was wearing a Slayer shirt. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Beaver. <laughs> that was years ago. Yeah, she yeah. Beaver was wearing um, a Slayer shirt that had like the, right, the, the Slayer eagle, eagle thing, the eagle and it looks like a German thing. She and she's me. like, "What the hell is that?" And she's why are you in this house? It starts hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? Did she hate one of our friends that's of German descent? She didn't hate him, but she did not like that he had a German last name. <laughs> she she held a grudge against the the Germans and the Japanese her entire life. One time we brought a Japanese guy in the house. It was our friend's friend from Japan, and she pulled me aside while he was there and was like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? She was mad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they killed her brother. They killed the, Her father died of injuries sustained during the First World War. Her cousin was killed in, in fighting in Burma, I think. She has a lot of uh, reason to hate Jay people. Peterman went to Burma. Uh, that's where he found the milk of the poppy. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you an assassin? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a there's a reoccurring theme in this film that I, I think maybe you have a little more insight in. Oh. But they're surrounded by writers. I think that was just about James Bond. You think so? Yeah, it's just Ian Fleming no, shit. So I think that is Fleming shit, but I think it's also the movie is about storytelling hmm. and crafting a story. That's an interesting and being take. and being a creative, and that's why there's all these writers and typing all the time, and everyone's coming up with these stories and the elaborate backstory and this legend of mincemeat, and it's all about crafting a story and like the lengths they're going to. If you, it's almost like a Nathan for you thing, where it's like <laughs> it's like I wanted to convince the business of this, so it's like there's there's in, snowballs. <laughs> so like there's a, a, a Nathan for you. That's brilliant. And it's about him going on Jimmy Kimmel and doing like an anecdote, right? Uh-huh. And the have you ever seen this one? I'm not sure. And he goes through these lengths to come up with the story of his anecdote, but he makes sure everything really happens. Uh-huh. So like he gets someone's ashes, like and he has someone like pull a he has a cop pull him over mm-hmm. and he arranges all these things so he can tell this elaborate story and have it be true <laughs> and like it's brilliant and it just keeps spiraling mm-hmm. and that's what this is they're yeah. coming up with this elaborate backstory for and this they're guy. making proof of it mm-hmm. exactly like with all the notes and, and that's why they, what do they call it, pocket litter yeah yes, pocket yeah. litter mm-hmm. and that's why there's all the writing and stuff but anyway we go to early march Godfrey is there. He's at in. He's written like M from the books. His office looks like Bond in the movie, mm. almost down to the door. Yeah. The only thing it's missing is like the red quilted like door stuff. Do you know what a red quilted door is? No. It's like padding on a door. Why? That's just how Fleming wrote the office and like. Have how you they read did those books? I read all the Flemings. Yeah. Really? 
Mm-hmm. Wow, you really are a fan. A couple of, a couple <laughs> of years ago. Couple, no, how many you, are there? You don't say. That Fleming wrote himself? It, yeah. I think he wrote 12 full novels, and then there's, like, short stories. Uh-huh. And yeah. none of them were in World War Never. II, right? It's just No, it's all, like, it all 12. takes place in 50s. Mm-hmm. 12 but, like, there's a lot of fallout from the war in them. Mm-hmm. Like, Moonraker is about a German Nazi who's been posing as a British industrialist. Who That's like, the one where they go to the moon and have sex? Well, that happens in the movie. The right. movie is so different than the book. Oh, really? In Moonraker, the book, it's a German Nazi who, like, posed as a British like industrialist and the Soviets help him and he gets a V2 rocket and he keeps telling the Brits, I'm going to launch this rocket up into space. And like, we're going to be like the first nation to have like space. It's a V2? That can't no, it's not, a, it's not a V2. It's like, you know, a modernized rocket that's going to go to space oh. and it's going to be the first rocket in space. I see. And it's actually a rocket that's going to bu- blow up England. Oh with no. Like a nuclear bomb. And Bond obviously, you know, has to save stop the it. day. You, he punches it with his fist. Yeah, like Turk February. <laughs> now that's a very obscure reference. <laughs> but you know, there's another Bond reference with the office looking like that. And then the brought the woman, uh, the sister of Gwendolyn Michael, shows up. Yeah. And I don't know if that really happened. That did not happen. That yeah. was bullshit. Yeah. That was made up for the movie. There's, there's, um. The movie's pretty spot on with like minor things like that that don't really matter, but it really goes off the rail at the end. I think it's they're trying to get emotional stuff to happen, uh-huh. and they're trying to pad it because it is kind of a thin story. Yeah, it's kind of a quick little thing. Yeah, they do the operation and it works. Yeah, yeah. So oh. they pad in these emotional moments, like right. the love story and stuff like mm-hmm. that. The man jerking off a Spanish officer. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> so fucking creepy. <laughs> So <laughs> so creepy, but but brilliant. So that scene obviously didn't happen with the sister. She right. never showed up. You know, no one came to claim mm-hmm. him. But now we get to Godfrey suspects Colin Firth's brother of being a communist. Yeah, which is true. He was a communist, mm-hmm. and he was a communist spy post-war. Was he really? Wow. Yep. I didn't know that. And the other thing about him is he was like one of the greatest ping pong players in the world. And he had a cheese-eating society. Yeah. yeah, that was like a joke. But <laughs> he was like an actual spy. He was recruited by uh, Soviet intelligence. And we've talked about Soviet spies before on the show. They mm. pop off fairly often, actually. Yeah, they they were probably, in my opinion, the most successful spies of that time. Hundred percent, probably ever. I mean, this mincemeat is the probably the greatest British allied spy. Not, not even that. Just. Act of deception. Uh, deception ever, ever. They say yeah. that at the end of the movie. Yeah, that's the yeah. It is. Like, what comes close? You know? In modern times, I, I don't think anything. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go back in history, maybe, like, you could argue some stuff, but mm-hmm. this is... I, I can't think of anything. The, but, the, the amount of variables that could have went wrong that didn't is shocking. Right. Like... Well, that and in fact, they could, do go wrong to some extent because when do, the yeah. body lands in Spain, it's picked up by uh, fishermen fisherman. on the beach. Mm-hmm. They give Which it was to the, the plan, yeah. right? They give it to the Spanish police, but the Spanish police immediately want to turn it over to the British. And which is, of course, what they don't want to happen. They want the Germans to get their well, hands on. Well, they it. knew that the Spanish police was corrupted by the yes. Nazis, and that 
Spain, of course, is a fascist country at this point. They gutted out the police, and like we replaced them because they were Nazis, and that and that plan right went to shit immediately. Right, <laughs> and it's only after the office British officers on the ground in Spain protest taking it they wanted to go through official channels right. so it has to go to right. madrid and then be out of their hands for a little while so that the germans have enough time to get their hands on the thing um that the plan finally happens but just landing on that beach alone the bo- just the body landing on the beach alone we're getting the body to that insane. point right. i mean we're cutting out so much of the it's movie insane. It's not really important. There's not much happening. Yeah, yeah, there's not. It's it's all love story at that yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like putting the body in the capsule. They try okay. to bribe. They put it in sister. the capsule. They put it on the submarine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that that guy was a real race car gr- driver. Oh, the Scottish guy. The Scottish guy. Yeah. yeah, they have a Scottish guy drive from I guess London. Oh, all that's the way why up he's to... like swerving and he's like successful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's actually clever. And he's drunk. Yeah, that's very funny. I didn't realize it's an easy drive for him. You know, I didn't realize that was, uh, uh, was real. How long is that? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about this. It's probably like ten hours. I right? was thinking it's like six hours. That was my guess. Couldn't a shark have gotten the body? What if it went the other way and not on the beach, just went into the ocean? I think if you drop it in the right place, you know the tide is going to take it in. Oh, yeah, the yeah, right get, time. What about rip tides, though, they pull you under. It's an eight-hour drive you know to I mean? drive. Like, I guess the math. There's so much. There's got to be math. There's so much that can go wrong. <laughs> so from London to Scotland, it's an eight-and-a-half-hour drive on the M6. Aha. Uh-huh. So you could probably drive the whole country in like 12 hours. Pretty quick, yeah. Tip to tip. Something like that. Which is the Chicago way also, tip to tip. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad that, that that's getting many callbacks. <laughs> it's, it's good. But one thing about the brother of Montague... He was awarded the Lenin Peace Prize in 1959, oh, good given by the Soviet government to recipients whose work furthers the cause of socialism, primarily <laughs> outside the USSR. So he was a legit spy. Wow. What a scumbag. Yep. He's you a normally piece don't of award your spies, though. I guess he was finished. Well, it was 1959. He's probably like He's probably dead. dead or older. <laughs> He's probably dead know? by then. Most so, of them didn't live long. <laughs> So, you know, they put the body in the capsule. There's a bunch of love story stuff. We get Q Branch, another Bond reference. Yes. And we get the Buzzsaw Watch, another Bond reference. Has no reason to be in the movie. Other than it's Ian Fleming, it's Bond. Yeah, Yeah, he's holding a buzzsaw. This is how he came up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a real thing? A buzzsaw? A buzzsaw watch. What for? I guess just to (laughs) cut anything. Pocket knives work too. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a pocket knife actually would have more strength than a watch-sized buzzsaw. Yeah. So I don't. I don't understand the point of it. But I guess it's, it's there. just a thing. It's like, look, this is a Bond thing. Right. Yeah. Here's some cool tech that spies do. It. But by that point in the movie, aren't you like, we get it? He wrote James Bond. We know. Have you ever looked at like <laughs> real spy tech, either of you? Have you actually looked into this? Oh, I love that. Did you I go love to, have you been shit. to the spy museum? I did. I did. I went you did. There. What was I went that there with like? my cousin? It's cool, man. Yeah, I went. Awesome. They had a Bond exhibit, really so like cool. I made sure to check it out. But you only get like old tech. You don't get like new stuff. I'd be more interested in the old stuff. The old stuff's cooler. Yeah. The foot, the I mean, anything in a shoe was cool, and, and the amount of stuff that they put in their shoes. In your wild. shoe. There was years ago. Chapstick. <laughs> there was years ago a show on Comedy Central where was, like they spoke to. I think it was Insomnia, Insomniac with David Tell. With David Tell. Mm-hmm. And they went to a spy museum, and he was talking to the spy person, and all the gadgets were just things that went up your ass. <laughs> and it was really funny. That's great. What a, yeah. what a great bit. Yeah. 
So they need spies to deliver the papers mm-hmm. to like make everything sign the papers, yeah. old man. And they we meet uh, Von Runner. Is that his name? What's Von Ron? That, that oh, Von Rowan. Right. The, Von Rowan, the German spy. And when we're introduced to well, him, he's the head. He's over in Berlin. Berlin. But they're counting. They're not sure if he's anti-Nazi. In reality, he hated Hitler. And was actually working to undermine the regime. Yeah, apparently, like he just made constant mistakes and fuck ups, mm-hmm. like in purpose, basically making things go wrong for the Nazis. Right. And you had the guy in Spain. His name was uh, Kulenthal, who was of Jewish descent, but he had been cleared as a good German. Yeah, and he's with another one. And he yes. he is a uh, very eager to do anything to impress Hitler, and and then the Reich. So he was very eager to pass the information along once he had his hand. He's like, oh, this is my big break. Exactly. Let me, let me he's, get this in. Because he's, Without too much scrutiny. Because he's like, this will help me live. Because... Not even live, just it's going to make me look great. But all it takes is one fuck up, and you know, you're not a good German anymore. Right. So it's that desperation. But when we're introduced to... Um, now, I couldn't find, in researching this, there's a whole sequence in the movie with in Spain with the two British agents and what they do. A man jerks off another man. Yeah. I couldn't find anything about those guys if that happened. is I don't think that was I think that's fiction. Well, Jonathan Frakes actually has something to say about it. It's fake. It's fiction. We made, we it, made, up. It, up. made it up. We made it up. We made it up. <laughs> That's fake. That never happened. That I want, I the, want uh, that like sound soundboard. clip for the show. Can we get that? I, we got to We try. need that. We need Jonathan <laughs> Frank saying that. <laughs> it's fake. It's a fabrication. It never happened. <laughs> Fabricated. We completely made it up. Yeah, that's completely made up. <laughs> There's there was one scene that Why was like, did they need to put a guy jerking off a Spanish man? I think they were trying to show the how far you have to how go. far they're right. going for the yeah. lens of the spy. Which is funny because they show him seducing a hot chick moments earlier. Yes. Right. And you're like, oh, being a spy is great. And then five Sometimes minutes later he has an old ju- man needs a hand you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In that scene when he's with he's, the Chicago he's on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> It's the Chicago <laughs> method of spy. He's on, he's on the bench and he goes, I convinced him that I was a double agent, even though I'm a triple agent. And you're sitting there, what the fuck is a triple? Triple agent. What does that even mean? It means you work for the like British. I work for the British. Who's working for the Germans? Who works for the British again? Who's, who, who I convinced the Germans that I'm working for the British. Who is actually working for the Spanish. It's. <laughs> what does this even mean? Oh, it's, it's spy it's stuff. It's a de- goddamn corkscrew. You're chasing <laughs> your own ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, finally, the big humbug of the whole movie, which almost kind of makes it look stupid is the german spy in london attacking margaret schroeder in her house never happened yeah completely it's so over the top it's like why did you put this in how did this spy get through our our network and it's like uh, i don't know yeah they put that in just for some added drama and stakes at the end yeah well they also put it in because she she was like went along with it too Mm -hmm. she like actually played a more vital role by meeting she, that it's person. like they had a fictional character attack a fictional character. Yeah, exactly. So, in the mo- in it doesn't, the really doesn't really matter affect yeah. the accuracy. And also, of the movie. she's not exactly very cunning. Everyone's a spy. She gives up the story. <laughs> well, what else is she gonna do? They had her photo. Die for her country. <laughs> oh. 
I mean, well, she's not a spy. It's literally tens and tens of thousands of men, <laughs> <laughs> and you're willing to just tell this dude. I thought she she uh, she stuck with the story though. She did. And, well, he yeah. happened to be telling the truth. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. And he he claims to be a member of German underground that's anti Hitler, anti Nazi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Churchill approves the Sicily invasion. Yes. It's successful. The German troops, I think six divisions, are moved to Greece. Yep. Panzers, Luftwaffe, the whole shebang. They are nowhere to be found when the Allies land on Sicily. A invasion that was meant that they had uh, predicted to take 90 days. They do it in 38. And after the fall of Sicily, Italy... Uh, Mussolini is ousted from power. The Germans are forced to invade Italy to just hold off the Allied onslaught. The Battle of Kursk happens, and it is curtains, more or less, for the Third Reich, especially come next summer. Their when lines are so Overlord thin. happens yeah. in June. Yeah, then they're really fucked. Then it's, it's the end game. It's the yeah. final act. It's a race to the end. Now, if- Did we talk about the pathologist? The pathologist? Who's the pathologist? Briefly. The Spanish guy? Bri- we briefly mentioned it. I don't know what you're talking about. So the Spanish pathologist who's like looking at the body, mm-hmm. and he just kind of like goes with them. Oh, the coroner. The coroner, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we didn't bring him up. We briefly mentioned it. Yeah, he's better than they expected, and they're forced to like yeah. quickly shoo him away. The like plan the, goes the, to shit. The, we yeah. said it. That was all fiction. I think that I think that part may have happened with the coroner. Oh yeah, I believe that part is real. Well, the higher the higher up military guy was like, just stop. Like we know yeah. it's clearly he drowned. Yeah, he clearly drowned. We don't care how he died. And they're like, okay. I think um, it was such a. It, it, they could have expanded on that more, but it was so quick. It's like all right, mm. you know. Also, uh, this is the second time this movie has been told. The story mean? has been told, you mean? Yeah. So People didn't know about this until like the 90s. Did they, you know that? Not all it the only details. came out like 50 yeah. years ago. Because in 1955, I believe, there's a movie, The Man Who Wasn't There. The Man Who Wasn't There. Yeah. The Man Who Never Was. Who never was. The Man Who Never Was, and it's, you know, the same characters and all right. this, and it's basically the story of what we just watched. Right. Oh, okay. So second um, time it's been told, but now there's more details. Here's the yeah. postscript. The body of uh, William Martin. Well, his slash. body lies over the ocean. His body lies over the sea. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's the next line? Something about, I don't know. His body's for me. My body is nothing if it don't have a bone. No doggy with no bone. <laughs> you know I saw the Bahamen live. I know. I wanted you to talk about okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in Disney, and it comes to my attention that the Baja men are about to do a show. And I'm like, I gotta watch this. <laughs> Just for who let the dogs out. Well, what else would you watch the Baja men for? They have other exactly. songs? <laughs> I'll say this, I kind of enjoyed the show. You did? Yeah, the crowd, though, I loved. You it was love. all like 50-year-old, overweight white women. Watching dan- the Baja wa- men. Dancing to the Baja Talking men. about ugly bitches. Talking about who let the dogs out, and they're all dancing. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't get it. You're the dogs. Uh. They're talking about you. (laughs) (laughs) But I got nervous because like it was a thirty minute set, and we got to minute thirty. Yeah, it was a quick show, Mm -hmm. and because they do like two or three. What are they gonna play? Exactly. 
And but we get to the it's the last like thirty minutes. I'm like, they didn't do who let the dogs out. I go, this may be an epic troll job, and they just don't do it. <laughs> did they do it? They did it, and Thank then God. the place went yeah, apeshit. Thank God, the place went apeshit. Was there a full crowd? It was pretty like as far as Disney people goes. stopped their day at the amusement park that they paid you know a ton of money to go there to watch a thirty minute Baja man set. <laughs> yeah, you get a snack, you sit down. Watch them. There's so much happening all over those parks, though, that you can stop and like you're gonna get entertained anywhere. Yeah, Would you have watched the Baja Man, uh, dude? I stopped for a half hour to watch Muppets. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop for yeah, the fucking Muppets Baja Man. <laughs> if you were with me and I was like, "Hey, we're in the park. The Baja oh, Men yeah. are about to." I mean, do if we do, if we're all there and we're watching the Baja, yeah, that'll be a blast. <laughs> it's Baja like Man. you gotta watch it. Yeah, yeah, I recorded it. It's like I can't believe I'm watching the Baja Men. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this was a kind of a, a happy ending. So what's the postscript? Oh, I was going to say, uh, the, his body's buried in Spain. Yep. And finally... He's jerked off every ye- day by... Years, <laughs> <laughs> years and ye- decades after his initial burial, the British government placed his true name, the body's true name, on the gravestone and thanked him for his service. Yep, and he served as this person, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Nice. That was a good happy yeah. ending. And we find out that Ewan and Iris got back together and stayed together until 1985. In America? Or did they go back to Britain? In, in England. They stayed mm-hmm. together in England. Hmm. We find out that Jean Leslie married a vet of the Sicily invasion. Ah, uh, yes. Charles Chamadley. Someone who may or may not have been killed had the operation failed. The mustache guy, can't pronounce his last name, was an M15 until 1952. I believe it's MI5. MI5. MI5? Yeah. Or whatever. How do you not know that? You're a Bond person. You don't know if I can... It's MI6. MI6. Yeah. You know, have a real one. Yeah. I'm just, you know, writing. That's inexcusable from you. Yeah. (laughs) See, if it was MI6, I would have... I would have gotten... disgusted that you don't know that. So I'll tell you a funny thing. Ewan is the first cousin once removed of Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest. I know that. That's an actor. Christopher Guest is... Oh, it's fucking Lenny. Lenny. From Lenny and Squiggy. No. Oh. What? Who's that? Who's Lenny? Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy. Isn't that Christopher Guest? Squiggy. You know, Spinal Tap? Yeah. Yeah, it's Christopher Guest. Wait, that's Christopher Guest is Lenny? Yeah. No. Yeah. No way. You're wrong. <laughs> Peter Pan, my arch and worthy opponent. No. <laughs> Laverne and Shirley. Yes. Lenny and Squiggy. Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest was Laverne. No, no way. Yes, he's Lenny. Dude, you're blowing my mind. I cannot believe that he is Lenny. Are you? I don't I'm know looking who? it up. I'm looking it up. He's been spending a lot of time looking up something it's that was Lenny like is a Michael McKean. Thing. Oh. So you're wrong. Christopher Guest is the fake documentary guy. Wait, waiting for Guffman. Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference? He's not Lenny. Who was he? <laughs> He's an actor. He's who, in a which guy was he in Spinal Tap? I completely. What was the relation of this? I completely forgot. I don't. Now. Who cares? We're talking I, about I'm Christopher so Guest confused. and Lenny and Squiggy. I'm so confused. <laughs> who was he in Spinal Tap? Yes. Okay. Let's see. I've only ever seen Spinal Tap once. He played Nigel Tufnell. Tufnell. 
And he was also the director of it, I believe, right? No, that's Rob Reiner. Oh, Rob Reiner directed. <laughs> he started. So I guess after this is when Christopher Guest just was like, I just make. Um, I got to look at a picture of Christopher Guest. He's know. like, I just make mockumentaries. Now, he did Guffman. Yeah. He's the, I think he plays the gay guy in Waiting for Guffman. Uh, Corky St. Clair. Uh, he's talking about his My Dinner with Andre action Yeah. Thing. Oh, he's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always mix him up with the other guy, with Lenny. That's Michael Michael McKeon. McKeon. Shit. No. Yeah, you really confused me. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> and I was so adamant about it, too. Yeah. I confused you. I have made <laughs> an ass of myself. myself. That's oh. Alec Baldwin. That's Alec, Alec Baldwin talking to his daughter on, on her voicemail. Pre, pre-murder. Yes, before he oh killed a woman. Pre-murder. <laughs> Alec Baldwin's a piece of shit. Oh, I meant to bring it up when we were talking about Invincible, but I forgot. I just want to say it real quick. Did you know Mark Wahlberg committed a hate crime? No. What? Did you know this? I know Mark Warburg no, was on a plane. Well, well, he said um, that he, he would have stopped nine. He would have stopped nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, year, years ago, like before Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, he beat a random Asian man so bad in a random hate crime attack. The man is still blind. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Why isn't he in prison? He, I think he did some time. Was he like, underage? Like a year. Was he like? Why did he do he, this? He might have been underage. He no, might, he might was like an adult. Is he just filled with hate? Why did he do this? Wasn't he like 20 when he was in the Funky yeah, Bunch? Yeah, he's a young if this man. this was before the Funky Bunch, he might have just been, you know. I knew a girl who lived on gold. The actor was charged for multiple racially motivated attacks as a teenager. Holy shit. Oh, multi- um, as a teenager, so he was oh, young. Him yeah. and Donnie going out, bopping. Yeah. <laughs> We're the new kids on the block. You're the Jew kids on the block. <laughs> <laughs> and he just beat him up. Oh, no. Yeah, so hold on. So wow, that makes him much less likable. In 15 years old, he uh, said, kill some end bombs and threw rocks at them. I'm looking for the one. Okay. He called one man a fucking S dash dash. I don't know what that would be. S dash dash. Yeah. Shit? No, right? No, that's not racist. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. How many dashes? Two or three? Two dashes? Three dashes. S three dashes. Hmm. I don't know. I guess we're not hateful enough. No. Yeah. Um, three dashes. But he beat one Asian man with a five-foot wooden stick and then was punching another one. He was charged with attempted murder. Why are we telling everyone about Monkey Mark being a piece of shit? Yeah, I meant to bring no it up sense. before, and I just <laughs> forgot, you know. Um, From, like, episodes ago. <laughs> two episodes ago. For us, it's like an hour. <laughs> I just, I meant to say it, you know, I wanted to blow Walt's mind and I mm. forgot. But mm. Yeah. Wow, I I have a new way to look at the, the Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. So anytime <laughs> you watch a Mark Wahlberg movie. And you enjoy it. You're supporting you're a, a bad person. Who blinded yeah. it, a random Asian man. Wow, God. We're all awful because we watched Invincible. So anyway, <laughs> what do you rate this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this movie was good. I liked it too. Yeah. What, what I give, you it, give it I give it four stars. Out of ten? Out of five. Well, you're weird. Why, you got, do you, why do you do that? Do do out of ten. It gives you a better Because I do letterbox. Gives you a better so range. You know, eight. Eight out of ten. He like okay. uses Celsius instead of Fahrenheit. Yeah, seven. 
I did an eight out of ten. Back to back to back sevens from you. Yes. Okay. What could this? It's have, not better than the Untouchables. What could this have done to be an eight? Remove the fake shit. Okay. That makes sense. I like. I I don't dislike it. All right, you know what? I I like the the love story thing. It's good. I like that. Yeah. But the f- they ruin it with the random <laughs> German spy attack at the end, which makes no sense. Did you watch it with your wife? No, I watched it alone oh, okay. this morning. No, two yesterday. I watched it yesterday. Do you think that at the end the German spy thing, if she would have died, it would have made a better story? Like no, because then it would have been even more ridiculous. She's yeah. a real person. I'm not. I'm not talking about from the real perspective, just the movie perspective. No, like would that have made? I don't want to see her die. No. I liked her. Oh, right, but you think it would have hit harder to be like this is another casualty of the spy war? No, because he ended up being like a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> you think that? You assume it. You don't know. No, you you pretty much say it. They pretty much. Uh, they say they're not sure. They didn't say it. They didn't say it. They said they definitely sure. didn't. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. You're gonna tell me that they definitely didn't say it. They didn't say it. Definitely didn't say it. What do you? What did you give this? Uh, uh, out of a you give four, four to five? Yeah, I gave it a four out of five. All right, <laughs> eight out of ten. When you definitely didn't say it. Yeah. So mincemeat. What a we movie! We did it. We did we it. We did it. Good. The World War II seal is broken. Now we can do real ones. Now the floodgates open up. Well, the next month... Uh, I want to do Bridge on the River Quad. Well, no, next month we have to do Halloween well, stuff. Uh, yeah, the next month is all horror. Yeah. So you. buckle up, buckaroos, because we're getting spooky next month. Yay. How much horror can we get that's actually real, though? A lot. <laughs> uh, I know what he's picking. I'm going to pick Missing 411. I've been into these Missing 411 what? things recently. You know about this? No. I thought you were going to do the Mothman. Uh, I I referenced the Mothman today. That's what I'm no, saying. I I wanted to do Amityville, but you know what? It's not the time to talk about this. We have a pick episode to do that. Yeah. That's true. Let's sign it out then. No, I want to talk about the missing 411. Yeah, what into. is it? Real quick. All right. So there is a guy. He's a former police officer. He's 411 pounds. No. He he's... can't leave his bed. <laughs> <laughs> no. They're missing him. Because he... why isn't he showing up to work? He is, uh, He went to like a national park on vacation. I don't know okay. which one. And while he was there, there was an investigation going on about missing person in the park. So he decided, being a former law enforcement, to help out. And as he looked into this, he realized that something like thousands of people over the years have disappeared in America's national parks in under mysterious circumstances. Mm-hmm. So he started connecting the dots with a lot of this. And uh, some would say... Um, under supernatural circumstances in some cases. And he's written a series of books, and there are documentaries uh, that he's produced about some of the more bizarre cases. Okay. And I've been, like, getting into this stuff a little bit, like with cryptids and, you know, cryptids are. Oh, I love cryptids. Yeah. Do you know about uh, the Jersey one? The Jersey Devil. There's a Jersey Devil, but do you know about the one in Lake Hopatcong? No. Hoppy. Yeah, the champ. You know about champ? He's, he's based that. champion hoppy are the same thing. Right. That's yeah. how it was a Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know the Jersey Devil, Joseph Bonaparte claimed to have hunted the Jersey Devil. Really? Yeah. He thinks he got him? Napoleon's brother. Did Does he say he got him? I don't think he said he got him, but yeah, he, he, like, he saw it. He can't get him. He can't get the Jersey no, Devil. No, he's too Philly, good. Philly has one. They yeah, what do they got? Gritty. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think we'll end it there. Yeah, it comes, at night. <laughs> it comes at night <laughs> to your room. <laughs> I was going to make a shirt, like an anti-flyer shirt with Gritty on it, and it was going to say, it was going to have a picture of Gritty, and under it was going to say soon, and on the right it was going to have the Stanley Cup, and it was going to say never. <laughs> Who is Gritty? What is he? He's their mascot. Yeah, I know. I know. I know who he is. I should say, what is he? He's an orange thing. <laughs> He's the embodiment of Philadelphia. He's the embodiment of horror. Here you go. There he is, orange, like the movie Invincible. Yep. <laughs> He's on crack. <laughs> All right, so let's sign out, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening again. All right, want to give a thank you to Tom, Steve, Dave for letting us record in the studios. Thanks to Walt. Please follow the show on all social media, our view history pod on Twitter. Email us, reviewinghistorypod at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Follow all of us on Letterboxd, me personally on Letterboxd. I review every single movie I watch. Uh, give us a follow at Brian Rupert, B-R-I-A-N-R-U-P-P-E-R-T. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time with our spooky pick episode. Ooh. Bye. Thank you.